Welcome, beautiful humans, to Empowered Sobriety. I am your host, Lindsay Fauna. And I'm your other host, Abigail Gerber. We are both trauma-informed life coaches in hopes of empowering individuals to see beyond their addiction and recovery into compassion, love, acceptance, and freedom. Empowered Sobriety is a podcast for those considering sobriety, are newly sober, or already living a sober life and wanting to up-level their growth in sobriety. Each week, we'll be dropping episodes discussing topics such as childhood traumas, PTSD, sober dating, and sober sex, how to enjoy the social scene, and is AA the only path to sobriety, plus so much more, along with bringing on other sober coaches that have done deep transformational work like we have, we are also hoping to bring on anyone who feels called to be coached on air by us. Hi, Empowered Sobriety Community. This is your co-host, Abby, and I am joined by my always amazing and beautiful co-host, Lindsay Fano. Hey. And today we have a super special guest. We are starting a series on how addiction affects families. And today we have my very good, like we've been friends for 24 years, I think we decided. Her name is Tammy. Tammy's actually been wanting to share her story since the beginning, since the conception of this podcast. And I was talking to our sound engineer who happens to be my cousin. And she said, you know, you haven't talked about how addiction affects families. And I was like, oh my gosh, I got to get a hold of Tammy. (laughs) (laughs) Tammy, we are just super stoked and over the moon for you to be here today because I know you personally. And so I know what you've been through. I just really, like I said in the, you know, when we were pre-gaming, just how much your story, all angles of your story, honestly, really is going to help people. And I really think a part of you knew that because you're like, I want to come on, tell my story, like how it affects people. So I'm just super grateful. Both Lindsay and I are super grateful for you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And I just want to add in there. I just want to honor your willingness to share your story. That's big. (laughs) Not a lot of people want to. With shame in families comes secrecy. So I just want to honor your willingness to be here with us and to share with everyone. So thank you. Thank you. Actually, in a way, I think it might be therapeutic because I don't ever talk about this. So maybe in a way Mm -hmm. it will not only help others, but help myself because it is something that I don't talk about a lot. Mm -hmm. So yes, yes. We will hold space for you. And you just, you take your time and share whatever feels most comfortable. And uh, we thought we'd just kind of start with what it was like with you growing up in addiction. Okay. You know, in all honesty, I didn't even realize that there was addiction in my family because, you know, it was so normal that that's just how it was. You know, everybody drinking all the time and going to family events and drugs may or may have not been present. That was just something that was normal. So I didn't even really realize that there was addiction going on with my parents, because it literally was just the normal of, you know, Mm -hmm. don't touch this or don't go in this room or You know, I remember my brother and I playing with roach clips growing up as kids, you know, and uh, my favorite mirror growing up was 
a misprint and it was a lady that had a straw up her nose and it said Coca-Cola. Well, I always told it was, I was told it was a misprint. And so I wanted to take it to show and tell because it was a misprint. Well, I couldn't take it it to show and tell because that's what they did their cocaine on. And at that point in time, I had no idea, you know, so here I'm like, oh my gosh, here I am as probably seven, eight years old wanting to take a mirror to school that's probably has cocaine all over it, (laughs) you know, and (laughs) I, it just was normal. That's just how it was. And I didn't realize at a young age that there was addiction going on. But I also think back then it wasn't talked about as much as it is now. Mm -hmm. Good point. Yeah. Good point. And I remember going to family functions and, you know, every time a fight broke out, that was normal for me, but everybody was drunk and on drugs. And so, you know, that's toxic and turmoil. Fighting was also just another thing that was normalized, you know, going to a family function and there being a knockdown drag out was just normal. Yeah. My family too. I never thought anything of it. Mm -hmm. That's just how it was. I didn't even know what pot was until I was 15. Even though I grew up around pot my whole entire life, I didn't realize what it was until my friends started smoking it. And I was like, holy shit. And they're like, what? And I'm like, I've known that smell my whole entire life. Mm-hmm. And, there, you know, I didn't know. I had no idea it was drugs. You mm-hmm. know, back, I didn't know that's what it was. And so growing up, I didn't realize that it was addiction. But to me, being young and having those family interactions was fun until the fight broke out, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's something that I looked forward to. And now I look back and was like, oh, my gosh, like, how was that fun? You know, being in a room with everybody getting drunk and doing whatever they do and the kids just had a free for all, you know, so that's probably why it was fun Mm -hmm. um my parents as got older their relationship just became more toxic as time went on and that was because my mom worked at a place called timber gems and she worked in the bar and so she would get off work and you know have her drinks and my dad was you know after work always drinking and sometimes he'd disappear for like three or four days after my parents would get into a fight and then like where'd my dad go you know he's not here um always fighting the cops were always at our house always getting arrested one of them were always getting arrested and back then like you just have no idea that it was addiction that was doing all of this Mm -hmm. as a kid you just look at it as well for me it was normal but it's something that I never talked about I think about it now and I'm like I think about all these people in the town that we lived in. I look back on it and I'm like, gosh, we were probably those kids that parents were like, oh my gosh, we feel so sorry for those kids, you know, but nobody did anything. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm sure it was talked about how people felt sorry for us, but nothing was ever done. You know, it came to a head when I was in the sixth grade and my dad finally had enough and he actually got us out of this small town. And we moved to Eugene, but 
once we got there, my brother and I were like fend for ourselves. You know, I'm in the sixth grade. My brother's a freshman and we are all each other. That's who we had with each other. My mom stayed back. My dad, mm-hmm. you know, would get off work and, you know, start drinking or not come home. And my brother and I ate a lot of top ramen uh, back yeah. then because that's just, mm-hmm. you know, what we did. But in my dad's eyes, he still hasn't done anything wrong. You know, his choices, he doesn't think affects us still to this day. Now I look back on it and now I know a lot of where a lot of my trauma comes from, which is something that I've never really talked about or dealt with because I didn't realize it, honestly, until a few years ago how traumatizing it was growing up in the toxicity in the household. And it was all surrounded from alcohol and drugs. Yeah. And it's sad because growing up that way, thinking that it's normal does so much more damage to Mm. somebody. Because for me, I kept it going into a next relationship. You know, when I, you know, I started smoking pot and drinking at the age of 15 And why, you know, I started doing obviously exactly what my parents did. And that started to suppress something inside of me to where to make that pain go away. And to think about it, like, gosh, I never would have wanted that for my kids. And from an early age, I knew I always wanted a different life than what I grew up in. Before I even had my daughter, I knew that I would never allow myself to be put in a position to where my daughter would have to grow up in an environment that I grew up in. Yeah. And I thank my parents for that because it sucks how I had to grow up, but they allowed me to see a life I didn't want. Mm -hmm. They allowed me to know from a very young age that this is not what I want to do. So my daughter is my saving grace because I got pregnant when I was 16 and I started drinking at 15. And I don't know what would happen if I didn't have her at such a young age because she's the one that helped me turn my life around and do right by her. My daughter Haley is from my husband. So my husband and I have actually been together um, 29 years. So next year we're hitting our 30 year mark. So Mm. um, incredible. We grew up together. You know, we had a kid and me, Haley, (laughs) and my husband, we all grew up together. And I did my best to make sure that she didn't have the life that I grew up in. Even though I started going down that road, you know, my husband and I became apartment managers at a young age and you lived and worked there and everybody drank. And so partying was like just how it was. And for me, not really being a drinker, everybody always looked down on me or like they thought I was judging them or I was like, no, I'm not judging you. I just have a daughter that needs to be taken care of. That is my first priority. Oh, that's so common. 
and you're like, no, man, I'm just not drinking. <laughs> like, don't yeah. put anything on me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I just, um, I also, again, I just want to commend you and I just want to celebrate you and honor you as a mother um, for making those choices. Not every mom makes those choices and you did. And that's really big. And yeah. mm. it's hard. It was hard. It was hard being in an environment where everybody around you is an addict and everybody around you drinks. But that, I think that's what made me more empowered to to not do that because I, you know, wanted my daughter to have the best life possible. Yeah. Um, and that's also one thing that I always reminded my husband is, you know, my daughter is not going to have the life that I had growing up. Like it's not going to happen. And my husband and I talk about like when we first met, I met him when I was 13 years old and he's two and a half years older than I am. And we were friends before we even started dating. But he always told me what drew him to me was there was constant chaos going mm. on at my house. So, you know, we always had parties going on and my parents, you know, were always drinking and having a good time. And so he was intrigued by that and that's what drew him in to where me i saw his family as so mellow they are mellow and so family oriented that's what drew me to him is because i was craving what he had but yet he was craving what i had and we had no idea at the time that that's both what you know <laughs> we were craving something totally different yeah in that life you know trying, in that period yeah so Both trying to get your needs met right yeah he's like oh it was always so fun at your house and and honestly you know as teenagers my parents didn't really care if we drank I mean at home you know they were fine with it so I think also with that my husband was like oh well we can go here and drink if we want you know because no one's gonna say anything yeah. or my parents would just join in you know because they were partiers. So may I ask one question? Yeah. Was there anybody, an outside friend at any time that you can remember that was just like, Hey, this isn't right. This isn't what's going on. No. So nothing. No. Um, okay. Sometimes I'd like to go back and ask people because I remember as a child, I stayed with a lot of different people there'd be times that I would go to this person's house for two or three days, or, you know, my parents would get into a knockdown drag out and then someone would take us and we would stay there for three or four days. And, you know, I would like to go back and ask them like what they thought of that situation or, you know, why they kept me for those three or four days. Or I just remember always being somewhere else, especially after my parents got into an argument, a fight, whatever they got into, we always were shuffled off somewhere else for a couple of days. Mm. And I think a lot of the times people felt sorry for us. You know, my brother and me at the time, my sisters were really little, so they couldn't escape it. You know, they had to stay in that environment and deal with it where my brother and I, you know, we were old enough to get out of the house or have friends that their parents would come and pick us up and, and take us away. But all of my friends were intrigued and they wanted to be at my house because 
it was where the party was. And I don't recall ever having one friend being like, holy cow, this is crazy. You know, this is not normal. It was always just like, yay, party, you know? And me as a person, I was like, sweet, I have friends. Like my whole life was tore apart. I grew up in a small town and in sixth grade, I was ripped away from everything that I knew and moved to a different town. So if making friends was them coming to my house and it being chaotic and partying and everybody having a good time, well, you know what? I had a friend. And so that was okay, you know, and that's just how life was. It's a false sense of freedom. Right. It's not. Not at all. Like that drinking and partying, they they see that as free and clearly it's a veil for, for trauma. And that's how people in traumatized states want to release. Yeah. They want to release in that way. And that unfortunately through our culture is how we, how we praise and how we identify as fun. And right. It's just, it's, unfortunately it's not. And it's a huge consequences to you. Yeah. Not at all. It, there's big consequences. I remember right before Haley was born, my parents made a pact not to drink until Haley came because you know, if it was at nighttime or during the day and they were drinking or everybody was drunk, then who's going to get me to the hospital? And like, you know, and I, and obviously I was 17 and my husband and I didn't live together. I didn't know if he was readily available and he worked. And so my parents made a pact not to drink. Well, Haley was being stubborn and, you know, wasn't wanting to come out. So my parents gave in and man, I tell you that day that they decided to tie one on I went into labor and we show up at the hospital and the nurse literally said holy cow it smells like a brewery in here and I was like oh my gosh I was so embarrassed because everybody was wasted and it was so chaotic in my room I think there was yeah. like 13 or 14 people in there. And as a 17 year old girl, I just was like, whatever, you know, and everybody in there was, <laughs> you know, drunk. Was all your family was in the. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And oh, wow. then okay. some. you had a stadium in there. I did. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. And it was like, hey, they were partying at the house. So, hey, let's go party at the, you yeah. know, right. Let's go party yeah. at the hospital. Yeah. Let's take it there. We're having a baby. <laughs> let's go to the hospital oh Tammy and, and, you know oh, it's, no. it, it's funny but it's not funny like you know if I get uh, mad about it there's nothing I can do so I just laugh it off but that's kind of one of my things is I laugh a lot of things off instead of dealing with it face on would it be okay to transition into what your husband's addiction was like for you well, for the longest time, I had no idea that he had a drinking problem because, like I said, I grew up and so around drinking, so it was normal. And in the beginning, it mm -hmm. I don't think it was like a problem, you know, because we were still so young and I'm thinking, oh, we're just teenagers having a good time. He's 21. You know, what do you do when you're 21? You know, you go out, you get drunk, have a good time. And so I didn't even see it as an issue then. But I do 
remember after Haley was born, there had been a couple of times where my husband had, you know, been up drinking and he would make me call in sick for him. And I did it Mm. Mm -hmm. because I loved him and he asked me to. And so I did. And I look back on stuff like that now and I'm like, gosh, that was enabling him to be able to get, you know, really fucked up the night before and then not have to take accountability for it the next day because I would step in and and call in sick for him, you know? Yeah. Um, Can I ask a question really quick? Yeah. Do you think that maybe it wasn't something that you recognized or were able to identify because his relationship with alcohol and your relationship as partners and him as a father and you as a mother didn't exactly resemble what you grew up in because oh. there there wasn't all that chaos, right? There wasn't all the fighting Absolutely. and the, yeah, like you didn't identify his drinking as addiction or a problem because it wasn't the same patterning, the same behaviors that you grew up in. Right. Yeah. And and in the beginning, absolutely. Things started to change when we became the apartment managers because the bosses drank all the time, all the other coworkers drank all the time. And we were one tight-knit little group family because mm-hmm. we all lived and worked together. And so, you know, on a Friday, the boss says, hey, get off at noon. And so they would all go to the boss's house and and start drinking. And that's when things started to really start turning for the, you know, not good. And drinking became more and more and more of a habit. And there would be times that I would talk to him and be like, hey, you know, it's a little much, but that would go in one ear and out the other. And me wanting so bad for my relationship to work for my child's sake Mm. would say that, but then never follow through with anything Mm. because I needed, you know, us to be a family. I needed us to be the family that I never had. Totally makes sense. Um, And so I looked past a lot of things because he wasn't hitting on me. He wasn't Absolutely. yelling and screaming at me. He wasn't, you know, doing all these things that I was used to seeing growing up. I didn't see it any other way and didn't think it was addiction. Yeah. At that point in time, I just thought it was young and fun. So powerful. So powerful. I think what you just said is so powerful. Yeah. Cause it wasn't, Exactly what Lindsay was pointing out. It wasn't that chaos. It wasn't, he wasn't right. abusing you. No. So I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm not being abused. My child's not being abused. So I'm doing good. I, I am, you know, I'm good. Like I am not going down this road that my parents went on and, and life is good. You know, it, he drinks. So what? That's just, you know, as long as my daughter and I are taken care of and we're safe in our home, then I didn't see a problem with it. Once it became a problem, this is a story. Sorry, this is hard. Uh, That's okay. That's okay. Tammy, you take your time. There did come a point to where 
I started seeing a pattern happening. Mm-hmm. And I had said something a couple of times, but it kind of fell on death ear because I never followed through with anything. I remember it being a weekend, maybe a Sunday, I believe. And he was out drinking with, you know, the coworkers and they were having, you know, a good time. And I was home with Haley and it was late at night and he comes home and this is when Bob's Burgers were still around. He came home and was hungry and he wanted his Bob's Burger. And so <laughs> he warms up his Bob's Burger and then he goes to the bathroom. And he comes out of the bathroom and his Bob's Burger isn't where he left it. And so he came in the room and started yelling and screaming at me for eating his Bob's Burger. And I said, I didn't eat your Bob's Burger. And this argument went on for hours um, until the wee morning, probably till like five in the morning. And if anybody really knows me, like I don't back down. I don't back down in arguments and fights. And so at this point in time, I just, I, I kept it going as well as he kept it going. Probably about five in the morning, I think he decided enough was enough. And he finally went to bed and I had to get up at seven to go to work. So I get my few hours of sleep. I get up in the morning and I go into the living room and there is a dish towel on the floor. And I pick up the dish towel and the Bob's burger falls out of it. Oh my gosh. Mm. I remember picking up that damn Bob's burger and I went and hucked it at him and said, here's your Bob's burger. I'm done. This is not what I want out of my life. I'm quitting this job. I am leaving you. And I, from that day, I walked in that office. I gave my two weeks notice and we split up. Um, Mm -hmm. And I said, I am not going to allow my daughter to be in that kind of environment. And that was the first time that I had realized that we were going down that road. And I wasn't going to allow that to happen to her. He moved home with his parents and I moved home with my parents. I let Haley stay with my husband a majority of the time because it was safer. Mm -hmm. I took her out of a toxic environment. I wasn't going to go throw her in an even more toxic environment. And so a majority of the time she stayed with him. He did a lot of self-reflecting. And he cut back a lot Mm -hmm. on drinking, not all the way, um, but he made a big enough change. I think we are about six to nine months that we weren't together. And once I saw that he was making that change, we got back together. And that is actually when we moved into the apartment complex uh, where I met Abby. Um, and that's when our life started over. Mm-hmm. And so Abby knows at that point in time, my husband was still drinking, but it wasn't to the point where he was, get, you know, doing the whole Bob's Burger thing, because I was not going to allow that to happen again. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember moving next to, yeah, a couple and their and their little girl. And definitely knew that y'all were dedicated parents, you know, both had stable jobs. 
you know, drinking on the weekends. We go camping, you know, everyone. I, I wasn't drinking. Yeah. I had actually been through when I met you, I wasn't drinking. <laughs> I quit just before I turned 20. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause I had had, I went to outpatient rehab for Coke, for cocaine. And so they were like, you're an alcoholic, you're a drug addict, you shouldn't do any of this. And I was like, okay, I'll just do what you tell me to do. So, <laughs> so I wasn't drinking when I met you. Mm-hmm. Right. And meeting Abby, Abby would preach sobriety then. And we were all like, shut up. I'm not a tall, <laughs> like, high horse. We don't want to hear it. <laughs> like just leave, you know, and yeah, absolutely. You yeah, know, and so, yeah, we would, we'd be like, Abby, come on now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, and yeah. 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 At, at that point in time, like she's like, oh, you guys. And that we're like, it's fine. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Yeah. You want to maybe talk about your husband getting sober, the transition between like kind of what Lindsay was saying earlier. What prompted your husband to start to think about sobriety? Yes. So I tell people all the time, he talked about getting sober probably for over three years. He talked about quitting drinking and I always laughed it, you know, just laughed it off. Like, oh, I'll believe it when I see it. You know, that's always what I say to him, you know, with anything that he comes up with in his mind, I just laugh it off. Like right now is Zen, like he is, he stops Zen every other week, you know, and I just laugh and I'm like, oh, I thought you quit Zen. Well, I did, you know, but Zen's in his pocket. (laughs) So been down that road. And so Mm -hmm. he talked about it for three years, (laughs) Um, but it was because he was dealing with gout. And so he had tried everything possible to get rid of his gout, but his gout was getting so bad that he was missing a lot of work. And so... He was in his 30s, wasn't he? Yes. Very young Mm -hmm. to have gout. Mm -hmm. Yes. When it started to happen. And so, and at that point in time, like, he was a functional alcoholic. He would go to work and come home and have three or four beers. On the weekends, you know, he cracked one open when he got in the shower. On On the weekends, it was all day drinking. And then again, I went back into that well, you know, he's not abusing me. He's still going to the kids' functions. He's a great dad. He still works. So that's me enabling again and just looking past it. And then every time he would talk about stopping drinking, I'd be like, oh, I'll believe it when I see it. He'd go for a couple of days, then he'd start drinking again. And so the day came and we were going to a friend's uh, birthday party We've known these people for a really long time. And our friend, his birthday just happens to be the day after Christmas. And so we were meeting up on December 29th to celebrate his birthday at the casino. We were driving down to Seven Feathers and uh, my husband says, I'm not drinking after tonight. And I laughed it off Mm -hmm. like, ha, 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 whatever. You know, I've heard that one before. He's like, no, I'm serious. And I said, "Okay." So. Man, did we go out with a bang? I mean, I have a hard time like with his sober date because he said on the 29th, like he wasn't ever going to drink again, but we drank till like four in the morning, 
you know, so what's a sober day? She's like, technically, <laughs> technically, we what day until is the 30th. it? You know, <laughs> technically, thirty. He said on the 29th he wasn't getting drink again. I mean, I I had my last beer on when did I quit? February first. So so January 31st at like I took the last sip at 11:59. <laughs> I mean, oh, wow. like I I was just like, yeah, I'm gonna push this. <laughs> Right? Yeah, to the very end. You got to. Right? If you're going to go out, you go out with a bang. And we went out with a bang. I'll tell you what. We had a good time. So New Year's Eve rolls around and we stay home. And at this point in time, he still hasn't had a drink. And a week goes by and he's still not drinking. And now a couple months goes by and he's still sober. And I'm like, oh, wow, like he's really doing this thing, you know? Um, is that the longest he had gone since you'd known him? Yes. Yes. From so probably like a week is was the longest. Yeah. And that would be because, you know, he was sick or, you know, just it was not really on his own. It was always because, you know, he didn't feel good or, you know, and so months started going by. Well, I did the best I could to support him. However, I could. Like I said, I've never really been a drinker. So there was, you know, it was easy because there wasn't alcohol in our house and I wasn't drinking every day. And I didn't drink for the longest time after he got sober, just out of respect for him, because I knew how hard this was going to be on him. About six months in, he says to me, he's like, I don't know what to do. And I said, what do you mean you don't know what to do? And he goes, I have all these feelings. And I'm like, well, what do you mean you have all these feelings? And he goes, I don't know what to do with them. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't know what to do with them? (laughs) And it hit me then that I had a husband that didn't know how to feel. And I had no idea that he didn't know how to deal with all these feelings because I deal with my feelings all the time. And he says, I don't know what to do with them. He snapped at me because it was noon and that's when he wanted to leave was at noon. Well, prior, I knew that noon meant 1245 because he always had to get in those last beers. And so not realizing that now that he's not drinking anymore, noon means noon. Oh, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And I didn't know. Because yet again, I have to rearrange my life to be around his sobriety, where before I rearranged my life to be around his drinking. And so now I'm having to learn all over again how to uh, create a new, new routine. Start new, knowing that when he says noon is noon, where before... It wasn't. And so we kind of had a blow up and we came to heads at that point in time because I wasn't understanding him. He wasn't understanding me. He hadn't taken into consideration yet that his sobriety does affect his family and that we had to change a lot to help him continue to stay sober. My kids, if you ask them, They had no idea their dad was an alcoholic. No idea. So he hit it really well because he loves his kids and he was always there for his kids. So they didn't see him as an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. You know, they just saw that their dad liked to drink. Mm -hmm. 
so at that six month part, when, you know, we came to heads, I flat out said, I love you, but I can't be your wife, your best friend, your doctor, your therapist. Like, I can't do all those things for you. Yeah. You either need to go to the doctors and tell them that you need help or you need to start counseling. And he kind of just looked at me, you know, and I'm like, I'm serious. Like this time I am not going to back down on this because I love you. I want what's best for you. And if you're struggling this bad, you need to get some type of help. So Mm -hmm. he did start going to counseling for a while, which actually in return helped him tremendously. Um, I actually went in and sat in on one of his counseling sessions because like, I need to know how to go down this path as well. Cause I have no idea. I don't know what I'm supposed to ask. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I don't know if I'm supposed mm-hmm. to talk about it. I don't know if I'm supposed to ask hard questions. And so going to that counseling session with him, she was like, yeah, you ask those hard questions, yep. you know, whether he wants to answer them or not, that's on him, but it is okay for you to ask those things. And I said, okay, it's still hard to ask him sometimes, you know, how he's doing or how he's feeling because it's, he doesn't like to talk about it. Um, and so his first year celebrating his first year I was like wanted to do something super special for him because he deserved it even if he didn't think he deserved it I knew he deserved it and even if he didn't want to be proud of himself I was going to be proud for him and so I wanted to do something for him that was outside of what we've done that was surrounded with alcohol so Lots of coast trips, lots of camping, but we couldn't camp because it was December. And that was all surrounded with drinking. Mm -hmm. And so I found us a little bed and breakfast up the McKenzie. And that was a huge turning point for us. I remember sitting there with him and I'm like, can you believe that like we are sitting at a bed and breakfast doing a puzzle totally content like <laughs> a complete 180 who are we <laughs> i love this so much i know that feeling i know uh, that feeling and, to- and totally content totally yeah. content yeah i'm just like this is like weird 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 um and he's like yeah this you know it's different but Um, that bed and breakfast has literally become our saving grace. It's our hideaway. It's our spot that we like to go to. Um, Which one is it? It's called Eagle Rock Lodge. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. My family has such a connection to Eagle Rock Lodge. Oh yeah. Love it. Everybody out there. It's such a, such a, it's not too fancy. It's just awesome. It's such a great. It's peaceful. There's no TVs. And, Mm -hmm. and at that point in time, like we needed to learn how to connect again on a different Mm. level. And some people probably could say like, oh, well, he's not drinking anymore. You should be able to connect. Well, that's not how it works. I'm learning to connect with a whole other person. Um, Mm -hmm. He is learning how to deal with his feelings. And he's trying to understand 
who I really am now because he always saw me through those beer goggles, you know? And so we're learning new things about each other. At that year mark and taking him there is when things started to change tremendously for the good, at least on my part, because I now have a husband that can understand my feelings. He takes my feelings into consideration. He acknowledges my feelings where before it just went by the wayside. He he may have heard, yeah. but that's it. You know, there was no actions on, oh, wow, you know, maybe she does really feel that yeah. way. And so from that year, Mark, mm-hmm. is when things really started to help our relationship grow as a couple to learn each other again. And it was great. I mean, it was like falling in love all over again. I've always loved my husband, always have loved him. But the love that I started having for him after he became sober after that year mark, and I don't know why it was a year mark. Maybe it was that bed and breakfast that changed everything to where we could connect. But things changed. Things changed with his relationships with the kids. He says he's more present. Right as his year mark was happening, uh, my sister was a meth addict. And she got her kids taken away. And so September, so right before his year mark, we took in my nephew. And so we were foster parents for him. So the first year of his sobriety wasn't easy. You know, um, we had that six month mark and then boom, all of a sudden we have a new person living in our house, which we've, you know, been a part of his life since he was born. But still, it's just a new person around in your house and another person that we have to take care of and, you know, make sure that he is going to have the life that he deserves as well. The first year was a struggle. But after that, falling in love all over again was probably (laughs) one of the best things that I've dealt with because I finally have the man that I knew was always in there because he would always show me glimpses of it. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's a lot of people that would ask like, oh gosh, why do you stay with him? He doesn't pay attention to you. He always wants to be drinking with his buddies. Like you deserve better. But I was like, no, he's a good man. Like there's good in there. And he doesn't treat me bad. He may have ignored me a lot but he wasn't treating me bad so I stayed and I stayed and I stayed it's always a low bar it's always a low bar when you grow up in traumatic childhoods our relationships become very low bar right and I have always Mm -hmm. wanted to I've always struggled with um feeling loved I've always struggled with feeling wanted um and so even though he was heavy in his addiction of drinking, he still would show me every now and then who he was. Mm-hmm. So, and that was tricky because there, you know, people did ask, why do you stay? Well, a lot of reasons why I stay because I love him, because it's my husband, because, you know, we have a family together and we also have a son. It's hard to separate 
you know, and he wasn't doing all their bad things to me. He was just drinking. He was just having a good time, you know. And how long has he been sober for? Um, This year will be December 29th or 30th, depending on (laughs) how you want to look at it. Uh, Seven years. Okay, everyone, we are going to leave it here today. But next week, tune in as we pick up the conversation with Tammy, asking her if she thinks her husband's sobriety is empowered or not. Her answer is very relevant for both Lindsay and me and our why for starting this podcast. She also talks about how his sobriety affected their friend's circle. We are super grateful to Tammy for being so vulnerable and really so honest about the impacts of addiction and sobriety on families and also in our culture. We'll see you next week, y'all. Bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to Empowered Sobriety. We are nothing without our community. If you'd like to be coached by us on air or have any questions, email us at empoweredsobrietypodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Instagram at Empowered Sobriety Podcast.